Let's pray for God to help us understand. Father in heaven, thank you so much for your word. Uh, Thank you that you've revealed it to us um, and given us understanding. We pray that as we uh, come to your word now, we can be humble and also convicted at what you're trying to say to us. uh, And we ask that uh, we'll apply it in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, in the 1500s, Spain was a great superpower, especially on the seas. They conquered most of South America, and they went as far as the Philippines. They were the first to colonise North America. Now, the man who uh, captained that ship that uh, first discovered North America, his name was Christopher Columbus. There's a big monument to Columbus in Spain, and it celebrates his achievements. Now, there's an inscription on that monument, and it's in Latin, and it says, non plus ultra, and that means no more beyond. Now, this was a a national catch cry for the proud Spaniards, because that's what they thought. They they thought, Columbus has has gone as far as you can go, to, to the edge of the earth. There's no more beyond. But do you know what? Most people today would think the same about life. They think there's no more beyond life. This life is all there is. Those of you who are young and hip, uh, maybe experts in social media, you would know that the young people have even come up with an acronym for this. And that is Y-O-L-O, or hashtag YOLO. And that means you only live once. You only get the one chance at life because there's nothing beyond the grave. And to all appearances, they're right, aren't they? I mean, everyone dies, uh, no one comes back, and that's the way they stay. You you don't need a doctor to... You don't need to be a doctor to, to know that people don't come back from the dead. It seems like you only get one shot. And then it seems like you're dead for a really long time. Now, that's what most people think. But I want to ask, is that you? Do you think this way? Do you think uh, that this is all there is to life? This is as as good as it gets. There is really no more beyond. Do we really only live once? Now, in chapter 15, uh, Paul deals with this exact issue, and he discusses the resurrection for the dead. Now, just to give you some bearings of where we are in the letter, we're nearing the end. So we've seen at the beginning, Paul starts uh, with Christ's death on the cross. That's chapter 1 through to 4. And now he's talking about the resurrection. He's come that full way, death to resurrection. In between, uh, he addresses the whole of life in Christian worship. So we had a look, sexual immorality, temple worship, idol worship. And so, because we're at the end of the letter, this is a climax. This chapter is important because now we see we're at the big issue of the resurrection. So please have your Bibles open. If you don't already, we're in 1 Corinthians, again, chapter 15. And this is on page 815 in the small print Bibles and 1789 in the large print Bibles. Now, Paul starts off this passage by reminding the Corinthian Christians that what they believe in is the gospel of Christ's resurrection. 
So Paul preached the gospel to them and they received it. They listened and believed. Not only that, but they've taken their stand on this gospel. They're holding on to it and they're living by it, trusting that it will save them, which Paul says it will. It will save them if they hold firm. Have a look at verse 1. Chapter 15, starting from verse 1. Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. So after this, Paul goes on to state what the actual gospel is. And it is a message that Jesus died. A real death. The kind where you get buried in a tomb. And for us, that means six feet under the ground. Christ really physically resurrected. Died. But this same Christ was raised on the third day. In a real physical resurrection. The kind where the tomb was empty. Because his body wasn't there anymore. The kind where Christ actually appeared to people. Met them in the flesh. He appeared to Peter, the 12 disciples, more than 500 people at the one time, even his own brother James, and finally, though in a slightly different way, Paul himself. Have a look at verse 3. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. The gospel is that Christ died and was buried, that then he rose again and appeared to many different people. That's the gospel that Paul gave his life to preaching. And that's the gospel, remember, that the Corinthians believed in. Have a look, starting from verse 9. For I am the least of the apostles, and I do not even deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it was I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believed. So Paul believes that Christ rose from the dead. And that is the exact message he preached to the Corinthians. Not only that, this is the message that they believed. Now, it's kind of weird. It it doesn't make sense because some of those very same Christians, the ones who believe that Jesus rose from the dead, for some reason they had a problem with the idea that we will rise from the dead. They thought when Christians die, that would be the end of the body. Of course, behind this uh, way of thinking is the Greco-Roman idea. Uh, And we've touched on this before. They had the idea that the soul is good, but the physical body is bad. It was like a husk that you needed to get rid of. So they believed that when you died, 
only the soul remained. Our dirty, inferior bodies would stay dead and buried. So some of the Corinthians didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead. But it doesn't take much to work out that that is a big problem. Because if there's no physical resurrection, then Christ hasn't physically resurrected. And that, that makes a big difference because everything depends on Christ's resurrection. You can describe this as a theological Jenga. So Jenga, you know that game where you've got a block at the bottom of the pile, you take away that block and everything falls down. This is the same thing. If you take away Christ's resurrection, then the whole Christian faith collapses. There's no foundation. You've got nothing left of Christianity. Now, if Christ hasn't been resurrected, then it also means that the gospel is false. The gospel that Paul preached, the gospel that the Corinthians received and and took their stand on, the gospel that they hoped to save them isn't true. Because the gospel is the gospel of the resurrected Jesus. If there's no resurrection, then there's no resurrected Jesus. Have a look at verse 12. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. If there's no resurrection, then Jesus hasn't been raised. And once again, that means the gospel is false. It means that the apostles are actually false teachers. And so the Corinthians are wrong to have believed Paul. Verse 15. More than that, we are found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. If there's no resurrection, then Jesus didn't rise from the dead. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then the gospel is false. The apostles are false teachers. And for the Corinthians, for the Corinthians, there is no salvation. If there's no resurrection, the Corinthians are still dead in sin. And Paul says that if there is no resurrection, then their faith is futile. That means that their sin is unforgiven. And it means that they and their loved ones who died trusting in Jesus are without hope and without God. They've wasted the one life they do have. Wasted that life on a false gospel. Verse 16. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. Do you see what Paul is saying here? The gospel is the gospel of the resurrected Jesus. That's what it's all about. And so that means there must be a resurrection. If you believe in the gospel, you must believe in the resurrection because you believe that it happened in Jesus. Once again, if there is no resurrection, there is no gospel. 
But Paul then turns to the glorious news that Jesus has, in fact, raised from the dead. Not only that, his resurrection guarantees our resurrection. Everyone who belongs to him will also be raised. Now, Paul calls Jesus the first fruits, and hopefully uh, you understood from the kids' talk what that means. But in other words, imagine you live on a farm and your survival depends on a good harvest. So when the harvest season begins and you start seeing that first part of the harvest, the first fruits coming into your farm, how would you feel? I hope delighted, relieved and thankful because you know that the rest will come. The first fruits is a sign of the great harvest that will follow. It is a guarantee. Now, this is the same with Christ. Paul says he has risen from the dead. The resurrection's begun in Jesus, and now the rest is guaranteed. All of Jesus' people will also rise. What an awesome promise that is. Paul then says that Jesus uh, is a bit like Adam. So Adam had a massive impact on the people who came after him because Adam brought death into the world. Now, Jesus also has a massive impact on those who come after him, but it's actually the opposite of Adam's. Christ brings life into the world. So when Jesus rose from the dead and burst out of that tomb, he overturned the curse on Adam. Because Christ resurrected, everyone who belongs to him will rise as well. Christ is a second Adam. He is the first fruits of the harvest of life. And his resurrection guarantees our resurrection. Verse 20. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive but each in his own turn. Christ the firstfruits, then, when he comes, those who belong to him. Now next, uh, Paul refers to two psalms. He refers back to two psalms. The first is Psalm 110, and this is where God promises to defeat all the Messiah's enemies. Then he also quotes from Psalm 8, which says that God will put everything under the feet of the Son of Man. So we can understand now that the risen Jesus is the Messiah. The risen Jesus is the Son of Man. And so God will defeat his enemies. God will put everything under his feet. And do you know what? The glory is that this includes death itself. Because Christ rose from the dead, he'll defeat all his enemies, including death. Even death will bow the knee to him. And Paul's also clear that God the Father won't be under Jesus, but everything else will be, including death. Have a look, starting from verse 24. Then the end will come, when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father, after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death, for he has put everything under his feet. Now, 
when it says that everything has been put under him, it is clear that this does not include God himself, who put everything under Christ. When he has done this, then the Son himself will be made subject to him, who put everything under him, so that God may be all in all. So will there be a physical resurrection? Paul is shouting, yes, Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Son of Man. God has promised that he'll defeat all his enemies. And that includes death. So that means our resurrection is sure. The gospel that Paul preached, the gospel that the Corinthians believe, is the gospel of the resurrected Jesus. We saw that. But then this resurrected Jesus is the first fruits. He is a new Adam. He is the Messiah. He is the Son of Man. He's a guarantee that there will be a resurrection from the dead for us. So the, the gospel the Corinthians believe isn't just a gospel about a resurrected Jesus, but it is the great news that they too will be resurrected. Now, in our final section, Paul moves on, and he talks about some other things the Corinthians were doing that make no sense if there's no resurrection. Now, first thing uh, he points out is that they were doing something called baptism for the dead. Uh, Now, we we don't know what exactly this is for sure. Scholars are still divided, but uh, there are up to 40 different interpretations of it. Whatever it was, what Paul is trying to say is that it makes no sense for them to do it if there's no resurrection. Have a look at verse 29. Now, if there is no resurrection, what will those do who are baptised for the dead? If the dead are not raised at all, why are people being baptised for them? So then Paul uses another example. If there is no resurrection, then why suffer so much for the gospel? Why does he risk his life all the time? He says that he's fighting wild beasts in Ephesus. And in 2 Corinthians, he gives us a snapshot of his life. He tells them that he was imprisoned, he was whipped, he was beaten, shipwrecked three times. He endured hunger and thirst with little sleep. Now, what is the point if there's no hope of resurrection? He says, you might as well live a very comfortable life in the north shore of Corinth, eat and drink and enjoy the one life you do have. I'm sure if he had Twitter or Facebook, he'd hashtag YOLO. Verse 30. And as for us, why do we endanger ourselves every hour? I die every day. I mean that, brothers just as surely as I glory over you in Christ Jesus our Lord. If I fought wild beasts in Ephesus for merely human reasons, what have I gained? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. So do you see, if there's no resurrection, what is the point? Then Paul finishes off by warning these Corinthians. He says that they are being sinfully ignorant because it makes no sense for them to deny the resurrection it makes no sense of the gospel and it makes no sense of their lives what they were doing or even paul's life so they need to get their act together and stop sinning they need to joyfully embrace that there is a resurrection from the dead have a look at verse 33 
Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Come back to your senses as you ought and stop sinning. For there are some who are ignorant of God. I say this to your shame. Now, can you see what is in our passage today? What Paul is saying. First, the gospel is the gospel of the resurrected Jesus. And this Jesus is the first fruits of our resurrection. He's a new Adam who brings new life. He's a king and the son of man who will defeat death. And therefore, it's an absolute certainty. We too will be resurrected from the dead. Now, those Corinthians uh, who said that there wasn't any resurrection of the dead, they couldn't have been more wrong. Those of us who rely on Jesus will definitely be resurrected to new and eternal life. Friends, do we believe that? Do we really actually believe it? Do you believe that this life is not all there is? You don't only live once. You live here now, but in Christ you will be raised to a better and eternal life. And that's amazing, isn't it? It's extraordinary. It's mind-blowing. Just thinking about it. Now, let's think about a few implications of this new thinking. Are you struggling with pain? Do you have chronic illness, uh, maybe physical or mental? My wife uh, used to treat people with a condition called complex regional pain syndrome. Um, A lot of her uh, patients had it. Most of, the, most of the time, they didn't know what causes pain. Now, if you don't know what causes the pain, then how do you go about even treating it? So for them, some of them, their pain was with them 24-7. Their pain was inescapable. Friends, you're going to be resurrected. Free from pain. Free from suffering. Forever. Are you anxious about the future? Do you worry what will happen to you? Uh, you know, how you'll cope? Maybe when you get old and frail, what's going to happen? Friends, you're going to be resurrected. You have an eternal future that's nothing at all to worry about. It couldn't get any better. Are you sick and tired of the hardships of life? Tired of your sin? Uh, tired of the people who hurt you? Tired of the struggle to make it through day by day. Now, a friend of mine uh, who is a Christian, um, he struggles with same-sex attraction. And he battles every day. He tells me every wedding he goes to reminds him that he's pretty much resigned to a life of singleness. So all he longs for is a new creation when he won't have to struggle. And he reminds himself, focus on the resurrection. Friends, you're going to be resurrected. The day will soon come when all our struggles will be over and we'll see our saviour Jesus face to face. We'll live in joy and peace forever. You know, most people are waiting to die, but not us, not Christians, because we're waiting to really live. And the good news is it's not just all, but all who believe in Jesus. Have you lost a Christian friend or family, to de- family member to death? 
you will get to see them again. Not as they were sick and suffering, but as they were always meant to be. As the forgiven, resurrected children of God. Now this time last year, uh, I was giving the eulogy at my grandfather's funeral, uh, and he was a Christian. But it really did pain me to see the rest of my relatives, um, how distraught and sad they were when he died. But to encourage them, I did tell them, I said, you don't have to cry like you'll never see him again or remember him as a frail, thin, old man who couldn't breathe, dying of pneumonia because those who believe in the resurrection will also be resurrected. Now, you remember the monument of Columbus I mentioned before? Uh, That it did say non plus ultra or no more beyond. Now, what I didn't show you was this. There's a lion that is part of the monument on the side, but it's tearing away that first word, non. So the monument actually says plus ultra, or more beyond. And you see, the Spaniards turn their national catch cry into a statement about the resurrection and their national hero. Because they knew that It wasn't the end for Columbus. Death was not the end for him. They knew that there was more beyond this life. Praise God that that is the truth. That is the gospel of the resurrected Jesus. And I hope that we don't forget that. That there is more beyond this life. And through Jesus, we will be resurrected. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us Jesus and thank you that he rose from the dead victoriously over death. And Father, I pray that those who believe him will also be resurrected and have new life, Lord. Uh, We ask that we'll be able to apply this in how we live our lives and also share the good news of this hope to come. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.